You're listening to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by Land of Ten. I am the one who knocks. And now here's your host, Kyle Land. Good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by Land of Ten.com. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Bill Bender of the Sporting News will be joining me here in just a few minutes as we talk Ohio State football, Big Ten football, and National College football. Bill Bender, a great follow on Twitter at BillBender92. You'll want to check out his uh, work on the Sporting News and check him out on Twitter. He is a great follow if you are a college football fan and you are not already following him. So he'll be on here in just a minute, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty Uh, What he thinks about the quarterback situation at Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins taking over with Joe Burrow, uh, transferring out, and the Big Ten in general, obviously uh, a very tough Big Ten on paper. Michigan having a new quarterback, Shea Patterson, much experience there in Ann Arbor this year. They're going to be a factor. Penn State should be a factor. Wisconsin, Michigan State. Uh, I really think it's going to be a good league. We'll talk to Bill about that as well. And we'll also get his thoughts on the breaking news that just came out Monday as the U.S. Supreme Court ruling the federal law against sports gambling, specifically state-sponsored sports gambling, Uh, That has been ruled unconstitutional and has been overturned. We'll get his opinion on that. That's an interesting subject. Uh, I'll probably talk about more about this tomorrow um, because I think it's kind of fascinating what it's going to do to college sports. And you all probably have your own opinions. It's interesting from the standpoint, look, I think college football is probably not going to be impacted. And let's be honest, gambling already occurs. Sports gambling is already a thing with the sports books. People go out to Vegas and place bets all the time. I don't really think this is going to change much. I know there are some people freaking out about, you know, the Armageddon of, you know, sports as we know it. And I really do not think that is the case. I want to save most of my thoughts for tomorrow, but I just want to say I don't think this is going to be a big deal, especially with football. And football is really a hard sport to corrupt. Because, you know, there are 22 players out on the field at any one time. And other than quarterback, there's just not a lot of guys that can influence the score that easily. I think basketball is a little more susceptible to that kind of thing. And, and I, look, I don't really believe that fixing is an issue with basketball or football. Point shaving could be an issue. But again, football is harder to point shave unless you're a quarterback. And even then, it's it's difficult. But it's especially... Uh, it's, it's especially a lot easier for maybe a basketball player to do it. You get one or two basketball players, get a couple officials, you could probably manipulate the score. I don't think a lot of guys really want to fix it anyway. But, you know, college kids, you throw a couple thousand dollars at them to point shave where you turn a 10-point lead into a 5-point lead. Yeah, you know, that's, that's probably a little bit different story. You probably got to worry about that. But I'll talk more about that tomorrow uh, as I do want to get into – Uh, Big Ten football, Ohio State football, and national college football as well. All right, I'm joined now by Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Bill, it's been a long time since we last spoke. I think it was last fall. I appreciate you coming back on. Uh, You know, there's not... Uh, not a lot of stuff going on in the off season, but that that gives us plenty of time to to kind of conjecture and and talk about the season. So I appreciate you uh, coming on here, so we can get into some football talk. No, absolutely. You know, I know it's May, and there's that big void till September, and um, 
there's a lot of lists that come out, a lot of articles that people think are absolute trash. So uh, <laughs> you and I might as well get into it. Well, let's start with Ohio State. Uh, obviously, there's been a busy offseason for the Buckeyes, mainly because of the quarterback position, and that has kind of been seemingly settled now. We know uh, Joe Burrow is going to be transferring. He'll, have, he'll, you know, he'll be a grad transfer playing elsewhere next year, immediately eligible two years left. And, and Dwayne Haskins, we assume, will be the starting quarterback over Tate Martell at Ohio State. Let's start with Burrow. What kind of future do you see for him next year, wherever he goes? What kind, what kind of impact do you see him having? I think he'll start for a Power 5 program. I just don't know which one. Um, you know, I know LSU was in the mix. Uh, Cincinnati, not a Power 5 program, but the ties are obvious there. But he played real well in the spring game. And, you know, it's like when I was at the spring game, I, I've been telling this story. I texted, I have a text thread with three buddies, and I said, well, who looked the best? And, you know, two of these guys are huge Ohio State fans, and I got three different answers. So... <laughs> I wasn't sure if Burrow closed that gap enough or not, but I think you and I would agree that most people felt the way this was going to go was Haskins is going to start based on how he played against Michigan and other things. I mean, he's obviously good. Um, Burrow would transfer and Martell. This is kind of the TBD, like what kind of role he would have in the offense. I think the most interesting thing was, you know, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, most people felt, at least I, I felt Burrow was probably the the better option right now, but I think Haskins ceiling probably made him the, the, the choice because it was, cl- like you said, the gap was close enough. You probably go with the potential. Um, you know, now that Haskins is, you know, we assume the guy, he has lofty expectations. We've seen that rocket arm, and like you said, he you know he stepped in at Michigan and got a win up there in the second half in Ann Arbor with a couple rocket throws. What should people in your mind expect from him in, in this you know, first season as a starter? Well, I think it's the arm that we're all kind of drawn in by, you know, those throws. And I don't think he'll run nearly as much. So I think if there's a tweak to the offense, it's that we'll see more J.K. Dobbins. People won't argue with that probably, given how successful they were when he got a bunch of carries. I think Mike Weber will be a huge role. And then you see how Haskins works with the three receivers that bypass the NFL draft. It all adds up pretty well and I think you know the one thing not to backtrack to Burrow you know I'm an Ohio kid grew up Ohio uh, you know played a high school football in the state it was tough for me personally on a personal note to see because you always kind of want to see Mr. Football play in Ohio and uh, you know Burrow was a heck of a player in Athens so again I think the best case scenario is he has success somewhere else and Haskins really takes control of this job. Yeah, Ohio University with Jimmy Burrow there. Uh, it's one one of many places that Joe Burrow could transfer to. I don't think he'll wind up there. I think his his sights are probably set a little higher. But that would that would be a fascinating storyline if he did end up back in back in Athens. Um, so I want to ask you uh, the obviously the Big Ten has an interesting year coming up. There, at least on paper, you know, I I talked about this on my podcast last week. On paper, the quarterback position seems to be really strong across the league. You know, there are a few places that are, you know, Northwestern and Purdue are kind of waiting to see how some injuries heal. But uh, the quarterback position got a lot stronger up in Ann Arbor with Shea Patterson being immediately eligible, transferring from Ole Miss. Let's let's start there with Michigan and talk about their situation. Uh, they've got, I think, for Jim Harbaugh, this is the year. Make I don't want to say make or break, but they've got. You know, talent out of the wazoo from top to bottom. They're a lot stronger this year. They're, they're going to be a, a more experienced club and, and Patterson at quarterback, but they've also got a tough schedule. How do you handicap Michigan this year with Patterson at the helm? 
No, I agree with you. It's not make or break. It's not. There's this narrative out there that you know Harbaugh's terrible and they're, they're not going to win anything, and he's the fifth biggest best coach in the Big Ten and all these things. I I, I devalue that. I think their schedule is tough, like you mentioned. I think with Patterson, their ceiling is Big Ten championship. Their floor is same same record as last year against the schedule. So for me, all the hardball criticisms, it comes down to one thing to me. Can they beat Ohio State within the next two years? Um, they have lost some ground in recruiting. They've been close on the field the last two years, closer than people think last year. I mean, they had the ball down one score, like five minutes to go, and then Ohio State put them away with a pick and a touchdown. So – it's my way of saying if Harbaugh goes to 0-5 against Ohio State and there's no real traction against Urban Meyer, then that talk will escalate. But everything else, like I'm not, you know, he's 4-4 four and four against Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. That's not that bad. It's just the product of playing in an insanely talented uh, conference where who knows who will be that school in the Big Ten East that finished fourth this year. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question, so that's a good segue there. The, uh, a lot of analysts feel the Big Ten East could be the best division this year. Uh, you've got Ohio State, Penn State seem to be preseason uh, top five, top eight type teams. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan both could be in the top ten. How, you know, how do you see this division playing out with even teams like Maryland who could be much improved? Well, I think it starts with that four because I, I kind of work my way up. I don't think... Maryland, or I don't think Rutgers or Indiana can beat anybody in the top four. I don't. I, Maryland could potentially like pull one upset, but they can't win the division. So it comes down to those four, and then you start to sort out home, home, and home, and who's playing who. I would, you know, this is an early read on the Big Ten playoff picture, and I'm working on this article for us where who are the true Big Ten national championship contenders? I think it's Ohio State, Wisconsin, because of their ride. And I think Michigan, because I think they're if if they get to the playoff, that would mean they can win it all because they survived that schedule. And I think Penn State and Michigan State are a step behind that because I think all of those teams could win the Big Ten East, but I don't know that Penn State or Michigan State could be a national championship team if they got to the playoff. And you know, you mentioned Wisconsin. I- that's another thing I wanted to ask. Do you see, is there anybody in the West you think this year that will be capable of knocking off Wisconsin in that Western division? Not this year, but soon. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe Nebraska can make their move with frost. I think that's a transition that you got to give them at least a few years before you start expecting the Huskers to really compete there. Although he'll probably expect them to do it sooner. I know Northwestern's pretty good. Pat Fitzgerald built, built a steady, steady winner there. But I mean, if you look what Wisconsin has Coming back, the thing that stood out to me the most with them last year wasn't necessarily that they got beat by Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. That was a good game. It was that they had better skill position guys than Miami did in the Orange Bowl. I mean, they, they were taking it to them on the perimeter. And uh, but, but the X factor that for them, you were talking about quarterbacks. I mean, Alex Hornibrook cannot turn the ball over like he did last year in those big games. And don't you think it's on them? to break through and beat that Big Ten East champion before we can take them to the next level? Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, and th- th- their defense will keep them in games, but like you said, it's going to be Hornybrook and, and their special teams, or their, uh, you know, their skill guys that are going to have to win those big games for them because they didn't show up against Ohio State. And, uh, you know, they, they, like you said, they did against Miami, but they did not against Ohio State. Well, yeah, and Ohio State has more talent than Wisconsin. And I, that, that was the one thing when those two teams played. It was that one or two teams plays that makes a difference like how does jay how do they stop jk dobbins from making that one or two big runs um 
you know, Ohio State probably starts off with more talent than everybody else in the Big Ten, too. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they, they get handed the Big Ten championship, given where they have to go. But I just look at their team and see the talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, the one thing, the scariest part is probably that they have one defensive end in Nick Boza that's going to be a top-five pick. And then if Chase Young develops like I think he should, he could be the top-five pick behind him. That's just scary if you're yeah. a quarterback. I've been I've been comparing Chase Young at least potential wise to Jadavion Clowney this whole offseason because he has that kind of that kind of immense talent. I don't know if he'll ever be that good, but but he has that kind of talent. Uh, you know, Scott Frost. We mentioned him. You, you, you mentioned him at Nebraska. He certainly has won the offseason. Uh, you know, he's been he's just absolutely rejuvenated that fan base in every way possible here since he's been hired. Uh, so I want to ask you, what do you think Nebraska's ceiling is long term? I don't think anybody ever expects them to get back to the level they were under Todd Osborne there in the '90s. But what do you think Scott Frost can have that program doing on a consistent basis? Well, it'll come down to recruiting. I mean, I think from an X's and O's standpoint, he's fine. He's going to get those guys playing hard. Um, you know, they're in a division where they can win. I mean, if if Iowa can win that division, certainly Nebraska can too. I think uh, he reminds me a little. I'm I'm really trying not trying to do this delicately. He reminds me a little bit of Urban Meyer in terms of his just demeanor, the way he runs through a press conference, his. Uh, his attitude, there's a there's a relentless competitiveness to Scott Frost, but that's saying that's one thing, but can he recruit like an Urban Meyer? And Urban Meyer's been recruiting like that for, oh, I don't know, 13 years, 14 years, <laughs> something like that. So that will be the key. Can they bring the four- and five-star kid up to Lincoln and get some of those guys that, that make the difference in those big-time Big Ten games? So Ohio State's quarterback situation is settled, but down there in Tuscaloosa, things aren't quite so clear. Uh, you know, th- this spring, Tua Tagovailoa was hurt, so Jalen Hurts was back in in the saddle at least for getting the spring reps. Did Jalen Hurts do anything that makes you think he could still be the starting quarterback for Bama next year, or is it Tua's job? I think this is a headline that Nick Saban's going to have to address. You know, he he probably should call Urban Meyer and ask him how he made it work in 15, which he did. You know, they went 12-1, and one and and everything, you know, aside from one loss, it worked out with Cardale and Barrett. Um, I think Tua is going to start. I think it's impossible not to start him. I think Jalen Hurts' best play, given the graduate transfer loophole, is to stay at Alabama, try to win the starting job, play, because you're going to get a chance to play on that team, and then – if he wants to transfer a year in, do that and maybe have another, you know, there's a possibility they'll have another national championship ring at that point. So I think that's the best play. Now, how Nick Saban manages that, that's, that's not easy, especially when one quarterback's 26 and two and the other guy is, um, you know, won the national championship last year. And again, that, that was a familiar theme in Columbus here a few years ago. We're talking with Bill Bender, the Sporting News. You can tweet at him at Bill, Bill Bender 92 or uh, be sure to follow him for college football news. Does a great job with Sporting News. Uh, Bill, so the playoff contenders, you know, Vegas, if you look at Vegas, most of the analysts, you, you see four pretty consistent playoff guy, playoff teams this year. You see Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. Those seem to be the, the top four in any order by most you know, sports books, by most analysts. Uh, what are the teams outside of those four that you think – could be playoff contenders or championship contenders this year. Well, well, there aren't a lot, and this is a 
I don't think it's a problem in college football yet, but when you consider that Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and then if you add Oklahoma into that mix, those five teams have combined for 75% of the playoff appearances. And I bet I bet you right now at least three of them go to the playoff next year. So I, I think with that, then you start to like look at that your other hand and be like, well, can I get a second hand full of contenders? And I would say Washington. I would say Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, after that, it gets thin. Like, I mean, Florida State's making transition. Auburn has to go to Georgia and Alabama. Um, you know, Penn State, I think, is in that discussion, but they lost the best player in college football. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks there, but I think the list of actual teams, I mean, I didn't even mention Notre Dame. I don't think, you know, because they can't lose two games. So, it's a short list. It really is. And it's not just, Kyle, it's not just about making the playoff. It's how many of those teams do you believe can actually win twice while they're there? Yeah, that's the thing. We could, I mean, we could probably come up with 10 teams that maybe could make the playoffs, but I don't see more than one or two of those 10 having any chance of winning two games, let alone maybe, maybe not even one in some cases. Uh, so it's a very, very small list, as you said. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, it's not a, problem yet i mean but i don't I, it's like looking at the big 10 i i think somebody other than ohio state could win it. i think the big 10's biggest issue is kind of what happened last year is i don't know that anybody in the big 10 will go undefeated i and then you start to look at the one loss team you know the one loss factor and, and i've said this the last four years do not lose two games because the committee has proven that the last two years that you, you throw yourself at the mercy of them. And we don't have to review Ohio State, Alabama or anything, but the same things happen twice. The Big Ten's catch-22 right now. It's the best conference. It has the most playoff contenders, but it also has the highest probability to beat each other up a little bit. I know these things are cyclical. You know, you, Ohio State, you know, Urban Meyer's not going to be around forever. Nick Saban's certainly not going to be around forever. Uh, Dabo's kind of young, so he could be around Clemson. Of course, then again, if, if Saban's gone, then, you know, there's the possibility of him jumping to Alabama. But the question I wanted to ask you, do you see if, if three or four teams continue to dominate the playoff appearances, as you, you, know, you just talked about, would that be a reason for you know the playoff people to look at possibly expanding to eight for that reason? Do you think that that would be enough of an impetuous to do it? It could be. I mean, you know, I, I didn't personally. I wasn't. I didn't care that there were two SEC teams in the playoff last year. It, it didn't bother me as much as say other people because I always say, you know, if they played the college basketball Final Four and two Big Ten teams get there, it's that's because they got there. Now I know that's, that's not a perfect comparison, but if Ohio state and Wisconsin played a game and both teams were 13 and Oh, I'd be cool with both going. Now what that's going to do though, is you're going to have other conferences left out. You're going to have the UCFs of the world. If you like Kyle, if UCF goes undefeated this year, how bad do you think they'll be barking this year to get in? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think all of that leads me to believe Eventually we'll get to eight, but my one request if we do get to eight is you have to do the first round on campus. Thank you. I agree 100%. Uh, do, the, do the first round on campus, and, and I would like to see, if you're going to do that, I would like to see there being at least you know, five automatic bids out of, the, out of those eight, too. I, I want to see, the, I want to see the, those conference titles go ahead, I mean, make them mean something. If, if you're going to go to eight, then do it that way. 
Well, and I think, but of one potential risk, and, and I always use Ohio State, Michigan as a, a flashpoint for this argument, is let's say you're Ohio State or Michigan and you play a game like they did in, what, two years ago, that game at Columbus, the, the double overtime game. So you play a huge emotional game there. Now, Ohio State didn't have to go play in Indianapolis the next week, but if they did, it would it could have gone either way. Yeah. You know, they could have been flat, they could have been high. So you got to play that game, and then you got to go play a quarterfinal on campus somewhere. It'd be tough to get up for that because it's just human nature that you can't get up that many times. That's one reason that I'm cool with the four-team playoff because, to me, I'd rather debate Alabama and Ohio State than whoever was 8-9 and nine last year, which I marginally remember. I mean, it's, these were teams that were behind, like USC. Like Miami was number 9, I think, and I don't think they deserved to be in the playoff last year. You know, I think the good thing about the logistics in that scenario is if you played, you know, because right now the conference conference championships are played the first weekend of December. If you played the first round of the playoffs in the third week of December, you'd have a bye week, uh, an off week. So you'd have two weeks before you have to play that first game. And then you could have two more weeks, basically 10 days to two weeks until the January 1st game. So I think I think that would give you enough buffer on either side of the games to make it work potentially. That's fair, and I do, and I think, you know, it's not an excuse because, you know, Auburn, for example, last year, they win the Iron Bowl, they turn around to lose to Georgia. I think that's just part of, in the playoff era, and I, and I hate phrasing it this way, I think we have sold a little bit of the regular season soul, um, and that's okay because I think the conference championships to this point have been fine. Wisconsin-Ohio State was a really fun game last year. The last three Big Ten championship games have been really fun. And for Ohio State fans, that fourth one when they beat Wisconsin by 100 points is probably pretty fun too. But uh, you know what I mean? So I think the, the value of those are still there, but nothing's perfect in a four-team era. Bill, one last question I want to get to uh, before I let you go. So Monday morning we had some breaking news. The federal ban on uh, state-sponsored uh, sports gambling has been overturned uh, by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional. Uh, I know football is probably not as vulnerable as maybe basketball is, but what do you see the NCAA doing long term with the the legalization, so to speak, of you know sports gambling in the United States? How do you think this will impact the NCAA going forward? Well, I think enough people bet on college football now that it will probably, if it's done right, you know, it'll probably help the game a little bit. I mean, I know. I'll be the first to admit I do some of those pulls on the side with with guys and you know have some of those fun things. Nothing, it's certainly nothing lucrative. Trust me. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think if the NCAA, they just have to be careful with this, and I think it's going to be a learning process for everybody. You know, in terms of doing this, you already saw the walls in West Virginia and what's going on there. Um, but if it, again, if it can benefit the states, that's fine. I, I don't know how that trickles down to the student athlete, but we just got to be careful with it. Bill Bender, The Sporting News. You can catch his work on thesportingnews.com and also on Twitter at uh, BillBender92. Bill, I appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk some football, and we'll catch, catch up with you again here this fall. Hey, sounds great, Kyle. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that is going to wrap things up for the podcast today. Once again, a very special thank you to Bill Bender for joining us. That was a a great interview, and uh, Bill really knows his stuff. Like I said, follow him on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can read his work every day on thesportingnews.com. So 
Uh, that's going to wrap things up for the show today. Thank you for tuning us in this Tuesday. We'll be back same bat time, same bat channel on Wednesday. You can catch the show on landof10.com Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. or on the archives, Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM, the number eight. Hit me up with your thoughts, Ohio State football, basketball. Uh, what did you think about Bill Bender's thoughts about the Big Ten this year? Michigan as a contender, Penn State as a contender, Wisconsin. Can anybody catch them in the West? I'd love to hear it all. Throw it at me. Uh, and we'll be back on Wednesday to talk some more. We've got Ryan Ginn will be on this week. We'll get his thoughts about what's going on with the sports gambling, Ohio State, and all that stuff. And, of course, Ryan Donnelly later this week with a recruiting update. Thanks for giving me a listen. We'll be back at you tomorrow. Go Bucks.